With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The tennis world is down under for the first major of 2023. And despite the notable absences, a collection of stars have aligned in Australia, looking to light up the courts over these two weeks. The two biggest stars in men's tennis come to Melbourne, renewing their chase for history as the all-time leader in major titles. Plus, it's Iga against the field on the women's side as she looks to increase her massive advantage over the competition. And this contortionist is really stretching the limits of everyday tennis equipment. Let's hope he doesn't get stuck. All those stories and more over the next two hours on this Australian Open edition of Tennis Channel Live. After the shortest offseason in sports and a quick two-week tune-up, the eyes of the tennis world once again gaze upon Melbourne, Australia. It is the first Grand Slam of the year, and it's day one of TC Live, our two-hour pregame show to get you ready for all the action every day down under. Taking a look at the featured matches on day one, the youngest player in the top 50, Coco Golf, first up on Rod Laver Arena, followed by Greek superstar Maria Sakari. Defending champ Rafa Nadal gets Jack Draper. Then in the night session, it's the women's top seed, Iga Sviantec, followed by last year's finalist, Daniil Medvedev and Marco Skirón. Big stars already on the practice court. Sviantec made the semis last year, then went on a tear, winning 37 straight matches at one point. Meantime, the men's top seed has more major singles titles than any man in history. Rafa Nadal will go for Grand Slam number 23 this fortnight. It is great to have you back here with us on TC Live. Steve Weissman, alongside the Hall of Famer Lindsey Davenport, former pro, our global correspondent for Kash Amitraj from 60 Minutes in Sports Illustrated, the great John Wertheim. We will also be joined by Hall of Famer Martina Navratilova throughout the show. It is so good to get the band back together. <laughs> What are you most excited about this tournament, Linz? Uh, it's always exciting when a Grand Slam is about to start. But I have to say, last year's U.S. Open, in my 30-plus years in pro tennis, was the most exciting slam that I'd ever really followed. I can't wait to see how the players and the matches and the storylines follow up what we saw in New York. Will someone new win? This is Sviantec's first time playing in Australia as the favorite to win the title. Will that Really wreak havoc with her. How does Novak respond after last year's controversy? A lot of interesting stuff on tap. All right, we'll get to all of that on the show, but we start with a couple of notable names that are not in Melbourne. That would be two-time champ Naomi Osaka, men's number one, Carlos Alcaraz. John, what was your reaction when you heard the news that Naomi Osaka is pregnant? One was happiness for Naomi Osaka. She seems thrilled, as uh, as well she should be. Um, also, honestly, a, a bit of relief. There was so much mystery around Naomi Osaka. She hasn't played in months, and there were questions about how much she wants to be part of this tour, part of the sport. And the fact that this absence now we know is because she is an expecting mother. She's 
already said she intends to return in 2024. That's good for everyone, but most of all, good, good for her. She seems genuinely excited about becoming a mother and all, all happiness for her. Yeah, happy for Naomi, her longtime boyfriend Corday, expecting their first child. That is exciting news also that she'll be in Melbourne next year. Meantime, for the second straight year, Prakash, the world number one on the men's side will be missing the year's first major. Carlos Alcaraz, unfortunately, injured his right leg during training. Uh, he did still have time to shoot some commercials in his undies, though. Hey, listen, listen. <laughs> he, he didn't hurt too much where he couldn't get out there with a little baby oil and flaunt those Calvins all over the place and have a little battle with Francis Tiafo doing the same thing. Look, it's, it's going to be a, a real bummer not to have him. He was, he was sensational last year, only guy to pick up two 1,000 titles, and he really announced himself. I mean, he did a lot of things that Roger, Rafa, and Novak hadn't done, so we were just with bated breath waiting to see how he was going to take it all on at this Australian Open. But uh, we'll miss him, but he heals quick. He's a young kid. He'll be back soon. How much of this do you guys think is, hey, injuries happen, it's sports, it's physical, and how much of it is his game is so physical that – might this be Rafa-type rhythms where he plays spectacularly and then pulls up injured for a period of time? It's also hard that last year, I mean, how many matches did he play at the absolute highest level? That takes its toll also on a player, and especially for the first year of really playing so many matches at that level. I, we'll have to see what ends up happening with him. He'll be back. He'll be great. I mean, we've had... So few teenage players in the last, whatever, call it 20 years, that were able to win a major to see him be able to break through. He's going to be okay, but I do think he'll be with some injuries on and off throughout his career. He was the first since Rafa. He got it all started Miami last year. Hopefully he can defend that title at the Miami Open. Meantime, with Naomi Osaka announcing her pregnancy and the reigning women's champ, Ash Barty, also expecting her first child. It, it got us to thinking. <laughs> it seems like winning the Australian Open often has led to motherhood, Lindsay. Take That's a look at this. unbelievable, especially Kerber, Osaka, and Barty all announcing they're going to have children in 2023, all of them expecting. That is quite a stat there. But might I point out? Don't tell Ken in that. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Ken, get with you. Can we point out, though, in, in all fairness, we have, we have the big four, Stan Bavrinka. I mean, what do they have in common? They've all won the Australian Open, and they're also parents as well. They just haven't taken maternity leave, biology being what it is. So I'm not sure this is gender specific, but that is quite a graphic. It, it's a little different. How about it, it, Serena there on that list? She actually won while she was expecting. That, yeah. that they got to give her some props that there. That is impressive. About <laughs> as impressive as it gets. <laughs> doubles. I mean, listen, two, it's two on one. Olympia gets a little bit of credit does, does, for does raising have, Daphne. Does, does she have a slam under her belt? I Olympia? think so. We can yeah. give it to her. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. She gets one of the 23. I think this is, this is Rafa's first major as a father. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's See right. See how that goes for him. Wife, wife and baby Rafa. Yeah. On board. On board. Baby on board. <laughs> yep. A lot to get to over the next two hours here on TC Live. We will have all the top stories. We'll let you know which players are arriving with new trophies. John goes unstrung on the highest-ranked American singles player in the world. And you don't want to miss our Bet365 match previews. But when we return, top storylines down under from Novak's return to Rafa's title defense, the rise of Coco to, of course, Iga's dominance. And we will have 12-time Australian Open champion Martina Navratilova join us to break it all down. Stay with us on TC Live. TC Live at the Australian Open is brought to you in part by Tennis Express. We deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. And by Bet365, the world's favorite sports book.
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to TC Live, the defending men's champion coming on site. How about Rafa Nadal? First round against Jack Draper. Rafa himself said it's probably one of the toughest first rounds possible for a seed. This is a guy who's only lost twice. 66 Grand Slams in a first round. Nadal getting ready to go later tonight. Well, a reminder, TC Live comes your way 5 p.m. Eastern every day to get you ready for first ball over on ESPN. And then at 7 a.m. Eastern, it is Tennis Channel's Encore coverage with Brett Haber and Paul Anacone. Back on the left side of our studio, Steve, Lindsay, and John, and we have a big, warm welcome to our Hall of Fame family, Martina Navratilova, over on the big screen. Martina, it is so great to see you. Yeah. Obviously, before we get to the tennis, we all want to know, uh, how are you doing after that health announcement a couple weeks ago? Well, you know, the sun just came out, so the light's kind of funny. I, yeah, I'm ready to go, ready to get on with the, with the treatment. I've had two surgeries and four biopsies. Uh, and radiation chemo awaiting, but uh, I'm ready to go, and I'm ready to go in other ways as well. Once I get to play again, I'm, yeah, I'm a squeezy thingy here. <laughs> I just found these uh, Wimbledon, uh, Wimbledon uh, resistance bands in my grocery bag. I don't know how they got there. <laughs> and I have a water bottle as usual, so I'm ready to go. So good to be with you guys. I wish I were there, but uh, yeah, I'll be there next time. Uh, you, you look awesome, Martin, and, and it looks like you've got some friends in the back. Yeah. Are there some of the pups in the back? Yes. Yeah, the usual, you know, uh, they always scratch at the door, so I have three dogs on the bed behind Sleeping me, dogs <laughs> just that's, in case, that's why I have these headphones. That's only part of her animal kingdom. Yeah, yes, right? in her house, exactly. <laughs> I, I noticed Lulu back there as yeah. well, Marty. We can't have an, an Australian Open TC Lab without Lulu being involved, so we'll have you bring her up a little later in the show as well. Uh, some big storylines to get to, including... Novak Djokovic, what a difference a year makes from him. He was deported from Australia last year. The nine-time champion returning more focused and confident than ever. If I do hold the grudges and, and probably uh, if I'm not able to move on, I wouldn't be here, you know. And, and also, I have to say that the amount of positive experiences I had in Australia overwhelmed the negative experience maybe last year. Martina, the last three times he's played the Australian Open, he's won the whole thing. Hasn't lost in the country in five years. 34 straight wins there. How big of a favorite is he to you? As massive as it gets, I'm as big a favorite as Rafa is at Roland Garros. To me, this is Novak at the Australian Open. He's about to win it for the 10th time. Uh, Novak against the field, three out of five. That's, that's as tough out on hard courts. And uh, he's, he's been embraced warmly by the Australian crowd, and uh, he's ready to go. Maybe the question mark would be his body, but uh, if he's healthy, it's odds-on favorite, big time. Yeah, the body, I think, is, is the one question. He canceled a practice session Sunday Australia time yeah. because of this hamstring. He's closer to age 40 than to 30. He's also Novak Djokovic, and we've seen him handle injuries before. How much concern do you have 
Lindsay, over this over this hamstring. You know, you always have to be oh, keep one eye on it uh, on some of the players when their preparation isn't exactly perfect. You never like to see players obviously canceling practice sessions. He has been amazing over the years of being able to overcome things. You don't win as many majors as he has without having your physical woes during majors. What I love about Novak is how outspoken he has been about wanting to be the best. He wants to break all the records. This is why he's playing. He said that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he is very open about it. You have Rafa, who's always like, no, I'm happy with what I've done. And they're never really willing to put it out there. He has. And he wants to win these majors. It, the hamstring might not be perfect, but he is going to give it his all, you know, to try and win in Melbourne again. Hey, he looked good in that XO against yep. Nick Kyrgios. Won his 92nd career title yep. in Adelaide. So arrives with some confidence. By the way, wants to be the best in all things. That 92nd title tied him with Rafa Nadal. Fourth on the all-time list. Nadal, of course, still leads that Grand Slam all-time total. He's got one more than Novak Djokovic right now. Here is what the defending champion had to say before the tournament. I have been losing more than, than usual. So that's, that's part of the, of the business. So just accept the situation. Uh, I think I am humble enough to accept that situation and just uh, work with what I have today. Johnny lost his only two matches this year at the United Cup. Go back to last year, he's lost six of his last seven matches. So what's your confidence level in Rafa Nadal right now? I think his confidence level is higher than he's letting on. I mean, he hasn't had a stretch like this in his career. He's actually, I heard, I heard he was asking his team, anticipating questions like this, he was asking his team, remind me again, what's the word for vulnerable? And he actually <laughs> used the word vulnerable in, in his press conference. Huh. But I also think he knows... Best of five is different from best of three, and he's gotten a bit healthier. I don't think he likes coming in with these results. I also don't think he's lost six of his last seven matches, which is, is crazy. I don't think it's going to be seven out of eight. He has said his level has still been there in those matches, and if, if Rafa's not worried, I'm not worried. He's always yeah. pretty, pretty honest about that. He was honest, Martina, when he was responding to comments that Alexander Zverev made, who said he might retire after Roland Garros this year. Rafa was asked about retirement from some journalists as well. He, he seems kind of annoyed. He's like, why are these people asking me about retirement? I won two majors last year. I'm the defending champion in Australia. What's going on here, Martina? I would be annoyed, too, if they were asking me, which they used to. But when you win a major within the last 12 months, you definitely think you can win it again. And until somebody beats Rafa in Roland Garros, he's not going to quit because he's always going to think he can win that one at least. So until somebody beats him, he's not retiring, unless the body says no mas. <laughs> Yeah, I think also with Federer just retiring uh, last year, announcing that, obviously then the questions go towards these big three. Novak is nowhere near it. I think with Rafa and how many serious injuries he's had, he had the foot, of course. Yeah, there's been so many, the ab as well, that then the people start talking about it. But his commitment to wanting to be out there and to continuing to try and win majors and be a player, he signed up for tournaments throughout the year. We keep hearing about it. I, I don't really think it's on his mind. Yeah. Your periodic reminder, not that long ago, age 35 was the cutoff for, for seniors tennis. Can we just discuss the fact that a 35-year-old <laughs> is the overwhelming favorite and a, you know, and Rafa at age yep. 36 is angry when people are asking him uh, when he might retire. Not pleased with, uh, usually Rafa sort of absolutely sidesteps anything tendentious, <laughs> controversial. He clearly was not pleased that Zverev made that remark. I think he was asked about it earlier as well at the United Cup, and he's just like, stop. Stop yeah, with this yeah, retirement yeah. talk. I'm, I'm literally the top seed at yeah, the Australia. I mean, exactly. who else gets asked that but, but Rafa Nadal? And he also leads the list that we show you every single tournament that they're at. Nadal, all-time major title leaders. He's number one, 22 on the men's side. Novak Djokovic, if he wins, 
can tie. Is there any time these two are, are both in a draw, Lindsay, everything can switch. So you're saying it's likely we go into Paris at 22-22? If, if, if Novak's the favorite, then yeah. 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 Would that be remarkable? <laughs> Can we just talk about how nuts this is? Yeah. You, you could not. Imagine 10 years ago scripting this and saying 22, 21, 20. I also feel for Roger Federer. Imagine saying to Roger Federer a few years ago, hey, good news, you're going to win 20 majors. Pete Sampras, you're going to have him by half a dozen. Bad news, you get the bronze medal. Yeah. I mean, remember, Pete thought he was doing pretty well when he got to 14. Didn't take long for three players to pass him. That's it's crazy. insane. Martina, who, who do you think ends this year leading that list on the men's side? Oh. Mm, no, chances are, it, it, the odds are with, with Novak Djokovic. Chances are he will one or two, maybe even three majors this year. Rafa's odds on favorite at, the, at Roland Garros, but the rest of them, for me, uh, Novak is the favorite in all the other three majors, so somebody's got to beat him and, and uh, make him pay the price. But uh, right now, odds on favorite in all those three. Well, uh, the young generation is coming, but yeah. not yet. Exactly. Not yet. When they're both not in a yet. draw, they, they usually win that thing. We'll have that stat coming up later on TC Live. And when we come back, it is time to switch gears to the women. Iga versus the field. Our experts tell you if the world number one can win her first Australian Open title. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back. A year ago, Ash Barty took the title in Melbourne, ending a drought of more than 40 years for Australian women in their home slam. She didn't drop a set all tournament and was the dominant and clear-cut number one. But little did we know that would be the last match she would play, retiring just two months later. Guess what, though? Barty had been number one every single week since September of 2019. Then on April 4th of last year, Iga Sviantek took that top spot has not let go. She won two majors last year. Here is what the top seed had to say heading into the Australian Open. I had, um, you know, pretty solid practices, so I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy that I have um, a long time to, you know, get um, the conditions and get a feeling of these courts. But um, I also enjoyed my time off, so, so yeah, it's a good combination. Now there she is practicing, Martina. She's got more than double the points of the world number two. Eight titles, 37-match win streak last year. We hadn't seen that this millennium. Uh, are you taking Ego or the field at the Australian Open, Martina? It's a tough one, uh, but overall, I think I have to go with Iga. This court may be a little too fast for her, but at the same time, she has a 12-4 and record at the Australian Open before she became number one. So I think she must like it in well enough and has to have so much confidence after having such a phenomenal year last year. She's healthy. She's had a good enough run-up. Uh, maybe that, that match she lost wouldn't give her much confidence, but overall, I think she should be brimming, brimming, brimming with confidence. And yeah, I think it's it's uh, Iga versus the field, but maybe not as much of a favorite as, as, as Novak is on the men's side, for sure. Well, as much of a favorite as Novak, uh, bold statement there from Martina. Listen, she mentioned the loss to Jesse Pagula. 
only won four games. That, that was at the United Cup. Last year, when she played Eula Niemeyer, who she faces first round here, took her to three sets at the U.S. So that was a tough match. What do you think about the confidence level? Yeah, the match against Niemeyer at the U.S. Open was her turning point match. At that point at the U.S. Open, she had never really made a deep run. She wasn't sure with the conditions there. She didn't like the tennis balls the USTA was using. When she got through that match, everything changed for her. Much different when you play someone in the first round. Listen, she was rattled when she lost to Pagula. There's no question about it. But I think enough days have passed. She ended up pulling out of the next week in Adelaide. That gave her, that has given her team a lot of time to try and get her used to the conditions in Melbourne, to try and settle her down, and, and really to get her to believe that she can win here. I mean, she's very much a mental player. Mm -hmm. And you've got to convince her she's never won there. Semis last year. Does that give her enough hope she can go further? I bet you they've been doing a lot of work with her off the court these last nine or ten days. That's so good you say. I mean, usually with athletes, we, what do we say? We say fits in, funnel, to, you know, tunnel vision. With her tunnel vision, not that positive. She right. comes in on that defeat to Jesse Begula, which reduced her to tears. I mean, this wasn't some, hey, it's a tune-up. She was in yep. tears on the court. She's never won this event. The court is probably faster than her liking. Big picture, if she takes sort of a macro view, you say – you are the number one player. You've won two of the last three majors. The last major you won was the previous one, hard courts. You weren't even at your best, and you won. I think if she takes a big-picture approach, things look great. If she gets too right. tunneled, there are a lot of sort of little twinges that, that might upset her. And this draw is not going to be an easy one. She's in that top half, yep. which has a lot of the big names. Certainly, though, from last year, she's got to believe that she can win another major title. The world number two is Ange Jabeur. She's on the cover of Vogue Arabia, John. She's a trailblazer for Tunisia and the entire Arab world. What has her impact been on our sport in general? I, I think the impact we will see and you, you talk about I mean, the Williams sisters are an obvious point of comparison. I mean, I think we talk all the time about sort of the unique pressures, but also sort of what she has triumphed over already. But I think the next 5, 10, 15 years, I mean, you know, Africa is the fastest growing continent yeah. in the world. I think we're going to see her impact manifest itself in, in years and decades to come. Yeah, it was fascinating. You know, we talk about that Netflix series that just came out and one of the episodes really was dedicated to her mm -hmm. and hearing her more about her story and her thought process. Uh, I thought it was fascinating to actually hear from her and see some pictures of her from behind the scenes. She puts a lot of pressure on herself. She wants a major more than anything. Absolutely heartbroken when she wasn't able to win Wimbledon. Did a nice job at the U.S. Open getting all the way to that final. She now knows what it takes to play well at the majors. Some players never learn what that secret is, playing every other day and how to manage your energy during majors. She knows how to do that. This is what she wants. Can she win in these conditions? That's what we'll have to see. Her knee's been taped up in practice. I didn't like to see that. Um, but I hope she makes a big run because, gosh, she's so fun to watch also. She, she's a great personality off the court, too. Yeah. She's made the last two major finals, Martina. And she, Oz is so open about mm -hmm. her goal. She said, I want to be number one in the world. I want to win Grand Slam. So having been to those two major finals, like Lindsay said, has the experience. What makes you believe she can take one step further here in Melbourne? Yeah, I think it's it's between the ears because she did not play her best tennis in either final, and uh, and it's good news, bad news. She good, great news, she got to two major finals. Bad news, she lost both of them and did not play her best tennis. And this court may be a little too fast for her liking for the way she moves the ball around. The the court doesn't really have enough time to to use her hands uh, on this faster court. But still, nice problem, right? You got to two major finals. You're number two in the world. And uh, she needs to just do the work and believe that she can do it and, and take the good from getting to those finals rather than what happened uh, and losing him. 
Lost her, previous match, uh, lost her previous match to a teenager, Linda Nosh, a Czech teenager. Can you believe it, Martina? But, no, I think you're right. I mean, there's <laughs> one, one player has been to the final of the past two majors, and it's not Iga. It's, no. it's on Shabur. Um, I don't know about her draw. It's a little tricky. Sabalenka's down there in her quarter, but a, a big opportunity, and probably your, your second, maybe with Pagula, probably your second favorite after Iga. I'd rather be on the bottom half, yeah, though, yeah, than the top yeah. half, and she has that benefit. I hope the knee's okay. Yeah. That, I, uh, that's the biggest question yeah. mark for me with Hans. Uh, then we've got Coco Goff, 18-year-old American who just, she seems like a veteran. She's actually talked about it. I, I feel like a veteran. And she enters coming off her best year yet. She's a top eight seed and comes to Melbourne with a lot of confidence. Take a listen. I think I made a, a lot of improvements. It was a lot of hard work, a lot of long days. Um, but I feel like I've improved a lot. And, um, yeah, I really think that I had probably one of the best off-seasons I had in a while. Um, now, we don't know if the results will show right away for the work it has so far in the first week, but I hope it continues throughout the year. There's Coco and uh, her, her longtime doubles partner, Jessica Pagula, as well, arriving. She's got Katarina Siniakova in the first round. By the way, uh, fun fact, both of them, number one in the world in doubles last year. Coco Goff, Katarina Siniakova. Coco Goff has never made it past the fourth round here, Martina. What are your expectations for her starting tonight? Well, look, she, as she said, she's made improvements in her game in the offseason, and she was already improving, obviously, last year as she got into the top 10. I think she's uh, she, her serve is bigger, the second serve's bigger. She's cleaned up the forehand. It's still not 100%, but it's a much better shot now. And I think she can be a real force moving forward. She's so quick off the mark, and she's got a really nice volley, number one player in the world, in doubles for, for a reason. So I think if she puts all those moving pieces together, she's definitely... I cannot believe she's 18. Look, we've been talking to her like about her for a couple of years before she even joined the tour. So I, I'm in my head, she's like 21, right? Because she's been around for such a long time. But this is the biggest growth potential that that age between maybe 17 and 21. She's right in the thick of it, and she's not done yet. So I think she's made big improvements, and it may be good enough to win here. Yeah, I mean, you, you get some players and you get the sense nobody's going to outwork them. And I get that sense with Coco that she's going to do absolutely everything to hold trophies at the end of the week. And she's already got one. And this was in Auckland, her first tournament of the year. She's able to win 5-0, and already three career titles. Different challenge going into a major. She's got the game. I, I think it's only a matter of time, right, before she wins a major. I thought she was going to win one last year. She didn't. The only concern I have for her here is the draw. Quarterfinal slated to meet Sviantec if Sviantec gets there. Coco's never done that well never. against her. And that would be the one player, if I was on Team Goff, I would think, oh, I'd love to maybe avoid that player. Didn't work out like that in the draw. Who knows? You've got to play all the matches and stuff. But she's fit. She's improving things constantly. Maybe it's enough. Never, never take the set, I believe, no. from, from Iga. Um, no, we, we joke, ha, 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 she's 18. She just graduated from high school, and she's a veteran. She is a veteran. Yeah. I mean, that Wimbledon breakthrough, that was... Well, almost four years ago. That was pre-COVID. And she plays like a veteran. We saw her lifting that trophy in Auckland. And it wasn't a, a packed field necessarily. But, you know, there were rain. There were delays. There were inside, outside. The fact that she kept her composure and won that event, I think, says a lot more than just the set scores mm. that, that flitted across the Internet. I think she's ready to win majors as well. Draw is not helping her. But I think that the sort of a, a proper offseason, not just cleaning up the forehand, but just 
resting, spending time with her friends. I think she's really well positioned coming into this event. I think that title in Auckland was huge for her and only lost four games in the last two matches, Lindsay. Her mom says she still hasn't gotten that grown woman strength. Yeah. That may come at like 21, 22, something like that. Which area of her game has she improved most from the start of last year to this year? I thought the serve, the second serve in particular, because it was only a couple of seasons ago we were seeing some matches where the double faults were in the double digits and there was a and you could see it in her face sometimes when she'd go back to serve. That went away in 2022. So what's left? The forehand. But I'm telling you, it's a lot easier to win a major with only one shot that maybe is bugging you a little bit or isn't perfect than when you're dealing with a couple of things. Yeah. And there was a couple of seasons ago, it's like double faults and the forehand. The double fault's gone. I know she's worked on the forehand. It looked better in Auckland. We'll see how it holds up under the most intense pressure. Yeah, I think that serve definitely is better. I mean, it used to be not just be double faults, but the second serve was a little fluff ball. Now, if she hits a double fault, it's a good double fault. It's a force for double. And, you know, she knows her forehand is a bit weaker. When when that doesn't work 100% during a match, you don't panic because you already expect for it not to be 100%. It's when your strength falls apart and the serve should be a strength and the back end is a strength. When those two work, the forehand will be good enough. The backhand is so good. I don't know yeah. if you saw that video of her hitting with Francis Tiafo. No, I didn't. Yeah, so it was right. Francis's forehand <laughs> to Coco's backhand oh, wow. in an exo. Yeah. And Coco was like, bring it. My, right. my backhand to your forehand. I'll go all day. And Francis yeah. was like, no, no, no. He hit it into the net. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I uh, believe it. She, she, yeah. She's got it going on. It comes in with a, a great mental state as well. There's Petra Kvitova. Made the finals here back in 2019. She said that was more important to her and a bigger accomplishment than even winning her two Wimbledon titles. Still one of the most underrated stories in all of sports. Looking forward to seeing her in action in Melbourne. More TC Live coming up. Who could be primed for an early upset? Find out later in the show. Back on day one of our two-hour pregame shows that we will have throughout the entire Australian Open as we lead up to first ball of the event today. In our studios in Santa Monica, I'm Steve Weissman. The last 13 times, Rafa Nadal and Novak Djokovic have both been in a draw to Grand Slam. One of them has won the title. And the last time it didn't happen, it was a guy named Federer who won. Pick against the greats at your own peril. For more stats like that, make Tennis.com your online information source throughout the tournament and the entire season. Right now, Steve Tigner has your Aussie Open men's and women's previews. And John Burcock tells you who can take over the number one ranking. Now time for the daily forecast with Fox Weather. Hey there, I'm Fox Weather's Craig Herrera, and here's today's Australian Open forecast. Looking at weather out in Melbourne, Australia. Look at those temperatures, low to mid 80s, partly cloudy, and a little humidity as well. You can download the Fox Weather app or stream Fox Weather from your favorite connected TV device. Thanks, Craig. Still to come, Australian Open tournament director Craig Tiley makes his annual visit before first ball. Plus, we'll show you who picked up titles on their way to Melbourne. And our Bet 365 match preview focuses on the defending champ, Rafa Nadal. But first, she is the top-ranked American and just led Team USA to the United Cup title. Her eyes, though, may be on another team. John Wertheim goes unstrung on Jesse Pagula. Back on TC Live, American Jessica Pagula powered Team USA to the United Cup title a week ago, leading both singles and mixed doubles.
She dominated Iga Sviantek, dropping just four games to the world number one. And as John Wertheim reports, Pagula is ready to tackle every challenge. It's not the most obvious sports comparison, football and tennis. One, a violent team sport drenched in testosterone. The other, an elegant individual sport played as often by females as by males. Tight spirals versus cartwheeling spin. In one, a bounce marks an incompletion or a fumble. In the other, a bounce is the norm. Still, Jessica Pakula and the Buffalo Bills are so often bracketed together. We'll do our part right now. And note that she finished 2022 with the most combined wins on the WTA Tour and finished up number three in the rankings. The Bills were among the NFL's league leaders for wins in 2022. She enters the Australian Open with a fair shot of winning her first major. The Bills enter the NFL playoffs with a fair shot of winning their first Super Bowl. On it goes. Pagula, as you likely know by now, is the daughter of the Bills' owners, Kim and Terry Pagula, who bought the team a decade ago. Sidebar for irony, before buying the Bills, the Pagulas bought the Buffalo Sabres from Tom Golisano, who was married to Monica Sellis. Another sidebar, Pagula isn't the first tennis star slash daughter of an American football team owner. In the 80s, John Bassett, father of Carling, owned the Tampa Bay Bandits of the USFL. Anyway, Pagula herself is ambivalent about all the linkages. She gets it. She's a pro athlete. Her folks own a pro sports team. She cautions, though, about making too much of it. She reports that, owing to her tour schedule, she went to all of one Bills game in 2022. And she admits sheepishly that she's not even sure she's met Josh Allen, Buffalo's star quarterback. But she also says there are real benefits to the association. Her fan base has grown to include Bills fans. She's learned plenty following a team trying to achieve a goal. In what may as well be a slogan for her own career, she's noticed that gritty, grind em out Bills wins count just as much as those when everything's going perfectly. So she'll play her matches in Australia, but she'll also be following the family business. And what if the Bills happen to play in the NFL's biggest game that first Sunday in February? She admits the WTA draw that week might have a missing seed. Well, first they had to get past the Miami Dolphins. That just finished. So Jesse's going to be happy going into her match tonight. They, they won. The Buffalo Bills 34-31. What a year for Jessica Pagula. Got that title in Guadalajara. Beat four major champs on the way there. Quarterfinals at three of the four majors. Enters this year at a career high, number three in the world. So in the last three years, she's gone from 63 in the world to 18 in the world to now three in the world, Prakash. What's been the biggest reason for that improvement? I think the fact that she just treats it as a day-to-day -day consistent process. You know, she's not as tied up with the results. She really focuses on what she needs to do day by day. She's been so consistent as far as performances in the 1000s and just it's just been gradual. You know, she hasn't had one giant explosion where she's all of a sudden made it to the final of a slam and had to adjust to that kind of life. It's been a gradual process and I think that's easier to maintain moving forward. Yeah, her goal going into the 2021 season was I want to make the quarterfinals of a major. Did that the very first <laughs> one. So check that <laughs> off her list. Now you've got to go a step farther and here we are two years later. Never gotten to a semi yet. Mm -hmm. And that would have to be the goal here to try and get into that final four 
be able to play in those big matches. You need some experience there for a lot of players before you can really hold the trophy up. But Prakash is absolutely right. How do we get better just a little bit every day? When I look back, and that's what you get the sense with Pagula is what she's trying to do. She's not trying to change anything drastically, but try and do everything that she does just that little bit better. Isn't that so much healthier than someone had a crazy week or two and then they're defending all those points the next year and then the ranking plummets? That's not what this has been. This has been slow and steady. We talk, you know, I'm as guilty as anyone. We talk all the time, you know, her parents own the bills. You know what her father also is? An engineer. And it strikes me that's what she plays like. There's something, she's a real sort of technician, there's a real tactician, there's something very methodical about her build. She doesn't have blinding foot speed, she's not winning serving contests, but she just knows how to win. She had a big title win last year, biggest win. Actually came, ironically enough, the same week the Bills lost to the Dolphins that they beat today, <laughs> but she won that big event in, uh, in Guadalajara. That's her big title so far. We'll see if she can now add a major. And, and as you wrote in your SI.com piece, that was awesome. A lot of great comparisons, but she's not flying private jets. She's not, I mean, she was grinding on the lower levels, mm -hmm. paying for everything herself, and, and really has earned this position at now number three in the world. And you say she hasn't been past the quarterfinals. She wants to do that, and now she's the seed to hold that up. So her draw, as we take a look, plays today Jacqueline Christian, then potentially Alexandra Sastovich. It gets a lot harder once we reach the third round. Yeah, it does. And, and we'll see if, I mean, in women's tennis, this will not yeah. pan out like this. <laughs> we know that. It'll never happen. But, you know, it, it, it's matches. I don't even think she's looking too far ahead in the draw. She is in that top section. No one really wants to be on the same half as Sviantec. But, Steve, you made a great point. I mean, she has been through more than most players have to deal with in terms of injuries. There was a couple of different surgeries that almost took her out of the game. But she always wanted to keep coming back. I think that really says a lot about her and her desire and her work ethic as well of all the players she could have easily said I'm out not going through hip surgery I'm not going to go through the knee surgery I'm not going to go through all this turmoil to try and be a pro tennis player but she obviously loves it and that says a lot she, she's also just such a tough competitor and Lynn's you know better than anyone down in Australia it, it can get ugly down there you know with the heat and the conditions so uh, you know to not be able to go through brutal matches in that first week and I think she'll get by those first couple pretty comfortably and set herself up well for that middle weekend and then the second week she looks in pretty good position you know the nice thing about this this whole steady build idea is confidence is a steady build too it's not like you get this huge download from one result so in the last two years she was outside I mean she was outside the top 50 two years ago in Australia it has been really steady. The confidence has built. And just like the Buffalo Bills, there goes that comparison again. <laughs> she doesn't mind sort of grinding it out. And, yes, it's, it's four all in the third, and I just want this more than you. It doesn't matter if she's not playing beautiful tennis. That's not a priority for her. Mentioned 2019, both the Bills and Jesse Pagula hired some coaches that really changed everything. David Witt, Sean McDermott. Look now, February 12th, you may see Jesse in Glendale, Arizona, not in the Middle East find out if she can win her first major title in Melbourne. Much more still to come here on TC Live. We will chat with Australian Open Tournament Director Craig Tiley giving us the thumbs up. Get the latest from Melbourne as we approach first ball. Don't go anywhere.
and welcome back to TC Live on day one of the Australian Open. Some big names on Rod Laver Arena. American teenager Coco Golf first up, followed by Greek superstar Maria Sakkari. Defending champ Rafa Nadal gets the young Brit Jack Draper. Then in the night session, it's women's top seed Iga Sviantek, followed by last year's finalist Daniil Medvedev and American Marcos Giron. As always, we have the pleasure of welcoming in the Australian Open Tournament Director, the CEO of Tennis Australia, Craig Tiley, to the show. Good morning, Craig. It is a pleasure to see you as always. Listen, we, we are leading up to first ball almost there. Uh, what's the biggest difference in the, in the feeling this year compared to last year? Well, the big difference is that we're close to a normal event, which is uh, which we had in 2020. 2021 and 2022 were very difficult. Um, of course, the lockdown year in 21 and the Omicron surge in 22, but it's great to have our fans back from around the world. We, we're targeting to hit over 900,000 people through the gate of the course the next two weeks and, and have all the players back. And in fact, we've got one of the best draws we've had as far as the strength of the field in the cut, and it's the lowest cut that we've had as far as entries go. So pretty exciting times, a lot of young talent, as you, as you mentioned, something they'll be on today. Craig, nice to see you. I just saw this event referred to as the Netflix Open. I also saw this event referred to as the Turning Point Open. Presumably, we're, we're into an era now after the retirements of Roger Federer and, and kind of, sort of, Serena. I'm wondering, this, this idea of Turning Point, do, do you buy that? Do you, do you feel that flavor on the grounds? I actually, John, I haven't heard that, but now that I have, I'm going to use it because I think it's exactly that. I think we're going to see the beginning of the changing of the guard. We've enjoyed the greats of Roger Federer, Rafa, who's still out there, and Novak, who's actually won this event nine times on the men's side, Andy Murray, and then Serena and Venus on the women's side. Um, that Those champions are not around as much as they've been before, and and uh, the gap has been closed by the younger talent. And I don't think ever before in the history of our game have we had so many to choose from with, from so many different countries around the world. So if you're in tennis, this is a very, very exciting time. And I'm particularly looking forward to it. Often here at the Australian Open, we uncover the talent of the future. And uh, it, had, it did happen with Martina Hingis, with Marcus Bagdadis and others. And maybe 2023 is the year. Let's talk, though, about uh, the, the talent of the past and someone with a track record. It was a year ago to the day that, that Novak was deported from Melbourne. I wanted to ask you, I, I don't know if you were, you were kidding when you said that uh, fans booing might be uh, evicted from the grounds, but I, I want to ask you more generally what you think the reception will be for the nine-time champion. Well, certainly, well, well fans are not going to be evicted if they boo, but they will be evicted if they create an unpleasant and, and disruptive uh, environment for other fans. But outside of that, we had an event on Friday night and with Novak playing a, a, a practice match against Nick. We have a 15,000-seat uh, stadium, and we sold uh, all of those tickets within 58 minutes with Novak playing Nick Kyrgios. So uh, he was very well received. The crowd were cheering like crazy. Uh, the Australian fans, they love their sport, uh, sporting, they love enjoying sport, sporting greats. And, uh, you know, he's won this event nine times. So I'm expecting the fans to give him a warm welcome. And, and hopefully that's the case. That, that was a great event that you had leading up to the tournament. We're here with Craig Tiley, the tournament director of the Australian Open, as well as the CEO of Tennis Australia. And, Craig, we had the new United Cup this year. That falls under your CEO of, of Tennis Australia hat, I guess. So we'll keep that one on for a minute. What did you think of that event, and, and how can it become even better? Well, how cool is it is having an event where men and women play together on the same team, the best players in the world, for over $15 million in prize money. But on top of that, 
get champ get points eight men's and, and ATP and women's WTA points. And uh, the result of a men's match can impact the ranking of a woman, and the result of a women's match can impact the ranking of the men for the entire year. So for, for the first time in world sport, truly men and women playing on the same team for the same outcome, impacting their year's, year's results. So we thought it was a highly successful event, 192,000 people through the gate, three cities across Australia, 183 countries viewed it. And for the first year, we, we were very proud of what we delivered. We started planning this event six weeks out, so very short runway. 2024 will be different. We'd like to see tweaks. We'll work closely with the men's and the women's tour to get those tweaks to make it even better. And I think this is this is going to become a, the preeminence uh, teams event, in my opinion, just because of how the players absolutely loved it. The, the U.S. team won it. They deserve to win it. And even at, speaking to Jess and Maddie Keys and Taylor Fritz, they're still hanging out together, still going out to dinner, and even though it's nearly been 10 days since the event finished. Let's stay on the theme of cups. There was news a few days ago that the deal between Cosmos and the ITF for the Davis Cup was falling apart. I'm curious how you process that news. And also, might this be an opportunity to expand the United Cup even more in this absence? Well, we were very concerned when we heard that news, very concerned about Davis Cup and and uh, we know it's reliant on that funding and, and whether there can be funding that can replace it or whether the other sporting bodies, the Grand Slams and the Tours, can play a role in supporting it. I think there's conversations to be had that need to come up, but uh, uh, we will voice our concern on that change. But um, we need to work together as a sport uh, for the best interests of our sport. But certainly the United Cup is one of those events that help promote the sport, bring something unique and different for the start of the year. And, uh, and something I think that tennis is going to continue to enjoy and the general fan continue to enjoy for years to come. Craig, we, we know you barely get any sleep leading up to this event and, and during the event. Uh, we're just about an hour away from first ball. What, what still needs to be done right now before we start playing? Well, one of the priorities was talking to you guys, of course. Um, but uh, there's, uh, there's a lot still to be done. You know, we've got fans really waiting outside. We're expecting over... 65,000 through the gate today, which is big for day one. The weather looks good. Tomorrow's going to be hot. And uh, as it is always in Melbourne, the sun's shining. We've got blue skies, uh, warm weather, and, uh, and plenty of fans coming out to party. They can, you know, they can come to, we've you know, over 35 chefs from around the world. We've got about 80 bands playing over the course of the next two weeks. It's a master festival tennis. We've got a ballpark set up like a Disney park for the kids. There's a water park. There's a tennis club. There's a beach club. Uh, so lots of things for our fans to do, and it's going to be a festival of tennis for the next 14 days. We're really looking forward to it. The hottest club in tennis right there in Melbourne. Craig, it's always a privilege to chat with you before the tournament. Have a great event. We'll look forward to it. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, John. Great to see you guys. Enjoy the tennis. Thank you, Craig. Of course, we've got you covered all two weeks here on Tennis Channel, the only place where you'll find a two-hour pregame show. TC Live, 5 p.m. Eastern, and Encore coverage every morning at 7 a.m. Eastern. Back with much more after this. Back on TC Live, trophies up for grabs right before the Australian Open in Hobart. American Lauren Davis came through qualifying to face Elisabetta Cochiaretto Lindsay, who was playing in her first career final. Yeah, you just never know when things can turn around for a player. And for Lauren Davis, it happened in Hobart. Throughout this tournament, as you mentioned, Steve had to come through qualies, gets all the way to the final, has to save a couple of set points in that first set. And then she cruised, able to win the breaker 7-0, get that confidence under her belt. 
And then it's so great to see Lauren Davis was on the verge of falling out of the top 100. Wins this title's now inside the top 60. A lot more confident. How great is it to start your year with a title? She is an incredibly hard worker. Last couple of years have been tough with injuries for her. She was absolutely thrilled to be able to win here in Hobart. Her first title in six years. And by the way, through qualities, didn't drop a set all week. She'll take on Donka Kovinich first round in Melbourne. Meantime in Auckland, Cam Norrie having the best start of his career, trying to stay perfect against Richard Gasquet Prakash, the Frenchman looking for his first title since 2018. Well, he grew up here in Auckland, so he was trying to get a hometown title. Started off very well, took that first set. I mean, this has been one of the most consistent performers of the tour. 49 wins last year. Beat Rafael Nadal earlier this year at the United Cup. So off to a fantastic start, but then those 36-year-old legs started kicking in. <laughs> Gasquet really started getting it together, picking his shots, being able to pull the trigger on the forehand side as well as the backhand side. Gets up a break, and when that backhand side is flowing, gosh, it is just one of the most beautiful things to be able to see. He said, I never thought I would win a title again. So he knew it was all on the line here. Love three, love 40 down in the third set. Somehow is able to summon a second and third win. Few long rallies here, but the Frenchman was able to get the break there for all. Serves it out and a really emotional win for him. Not only is he able to get this title, which he didn't think he would get, but Steve, believe it or not, becomes the number one Frenchman again. Crazy. I mean, there was a photo they put of him and Rafa, both being the number one, um, number two player in the world and the number one Frenchman. And this was back in 2005, I believe. And it's still, again, in 2023, number, number one Frenchman and, and Rafa is number two in the world, I mean, top seed at the Australian Open. Crazy, uh, 36 years old. The oldest guy in the history of that event to win. Let's talk Cam Norrie, though, a little bit, Lindsay. Still has more wins than anyone else yep. on the ATP Tour heading into Melbourne, but how does this result affect him? I think this is going to hurt, mm -hmm. and especially it was an overwhelming favorite to win. As Prakash said, he spent a lot of years of his developmental age there. This was a big tournament for him. Then you go to that third set. Already up a break, three love, had love 40 to go up, double break that potentially is the match there. I, I think this could have a carryover. He is an ultimate professional. He works hard. He's buttoned up. Tough loss to happen just 48 hours before a major. Sometimes you see these results right on the eve of a major. And you say, well, maybe they were saving something for the big tournament. I think that's a really good point. Cam Moore, born in South Africa, plays for, for the U.K., went to school in the U.S., spent a lot of time in New Zealand. I mean, he still has friends and family there. This is a title he wanted to win to lose under those circumstances to a guy that realistically, all credit to Richard Gasquet, that's a guy Cam Norrie should be beating. Yeah. I'm not sure that's a result you want to take coming into a major. John, you talked about it earlier in the show, talking about confidence. And confidence is one of those tricky <laughs> things. You know, you can take 12 months and build it up strong. It can, it, can, it can go away just like that. And look, he has been a very consistent performer, but this is a title that he wanted. And to be able to lose those close points in a third set like that, that can creep in when you don't really want it in a slam. But, you know, hopefully he can shake it off and, uh, you know, just, just get back to the well. Playing a wild card in yeah, the exactly. opening round, nice 18 years old. So hopefully he, he can get through a nice one there. Right. Goes from a 36-year-old to an 18-year-old from France. <laughs> Luca Van Asch. So, can <laughs> we'll see if he can bounce back from losing in that final. Meantime, there were a couple of finals in Adelaide, the men and the women. We start with the fellas, Roberto Bautista Agut facing Kwon Soon Woo. John Kwon lost in qualies to Thomas Mahach. 
Then he got a lucky loser spot, beat Mahach in the first round, took it all the way to the championship. I want to ask Lindsey Davenport, how is this guy ranked 84? He is such a nice player, such a 25 years old. He's a slick mover. He hits a nice ball. Remember, he beat Jack Draper in two hours and 45 minutes in the semis. Comes back against a much different player in RBA and a steady veteran, and he gets through this one. Uh, wins the title here, and what a result for a guy who, as you say, Steve, this guy lost in qualities with lucky just to be in the main draw. And three sets, gets a critical break at four all, and then closes out. And this guy hits a really solid ball, and he gets around the court nicely. Player to watch. Uh, he is not the 84th best tennis player in the world. Uh, that I will tell you. This is the second title of his career. Pity he's got one day off before he starts in, because this was a great result for the player from South Korea. Yeah, now up to 52 in the rankings. First South Korean to win multiple ATP Tour titles. First lucky loser to win on tour since 2018. Juan Soon Woo, 42 winners. The Hall of Famer Mark Woodford giving him that lovely piece of hardware right there. What is that? I don't know. Right. <laughs> that's, a, that's a piece of wood, John. Come on. Now. <laughs> it's better than the runner-up one, I'll tell you that. Uh, how about this? Women's final. Belinda Bencic, Daria Kasatkina met for the sixth time, Lindsay. This wasn't even close. No, and sometimes you go into a Dang final Benchich. and you have such high hopes. And you have Kasatkina in the top ten. Bencic trying to get there. And this was anything but a close match. Bencic just running Benchich. away with Benchich. the first eight games before Kasatkina was able to get on the board. Bencic was just hugging that baseline. And Kazakina, she struggles against players that she can't end the points against. And Bencic was just not giving her any space. Bencic able to time her shots perfectly, again, from being right on that baseline or in front. Bencic is another player that you can tell put in a lot of work in the offseason. And sometimes it pays off right away. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer. But she is ready to go this season. She now goes into the Australian yeah, Open with a Benchich. lot of confidence. 67 minutes of work, seventh career singles title. Now projected to return to the top 10 for the first time in three years, Belinda Bencic served really well throughout that event. And how about that? You talk about the offseason work. Prakash, that, that team up with Dmitry Tursunov seems to be working really well. Uh, I think Dmitry's a great coach. He did a great job with Sabalenka earlier. And, um, you know, he's been around. He's got a lot of great experience, even from his playing days. And Bencic was fantastic this week. I mean, she took out Muguruza. She took out Kalinskaya, Garcia, only lost one set. The rest of her sets, 6-4 was her toughest set. I mean, this is exceptional tennis. She didn't play great in the slams last year. I don't believe she made it to the second week of a slam. And Australia hasn't made the round of 16 since 2016. I think a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. Back into the top 10, a great time to be able to build, especially because the women's draw is pretty open. I like her section of it. I think she could do some damage. Interesting player, right? She's, yeah. she's kind of sort of edged into that veteran category. Nice coaching change in the offseason. That's the player. I mean, she won the Olympics. She's a reigning Olympic singles champion. So there is game here. She's played in the major semis. Hasn't quite cracked it at the majors. Big opportunity here. I don't know. Is she one of these players that's she a contender? Is she playing for majors? I, I think so. I think when you see some of the other players that have won majors and you're a player, you look around and say, why can't I do that? Me. And it's sometimes it's the belief most importantly. She's one of these players who had her father as a coach, kind of a domineering presence. She's been able to break away mm. and really now learn to flourish on her own. That's not always the case. Her game is getting better. That's also another thing you want to look at for a player. Not just if they're winning. Are things improving on the court? Are the shots getting better? It's definitely the case with Belinda. She has to believe it, though. And that has been her biggest drawback these last few years is she 
She gets very um, impatient with herself. She gets very feisty on the court. She has got to keep it together mentally, and she can win. No, pro no question. Other than the U.S. Open, hasn't made it past the round of 16 at any other major, which is quite curious for a, a top 10 player now and a, and a former top 10 player, but perhaps Dmitry Tursunov is the missing link to give her that confidence, as Lindsay says, to believe in herself. There is the top seed. Speaking of belief. Yeah. Always, exactly. always says he has doubts, though. The, the doubts are what drives him. Two-time Australian Open champion getting ready to go. Got himself a day session match against Jack Draper, the young Brit. Much more still to come on the show. Some video you've got to see to believe. I saw it. I'm still not quite sure about it. Plus, in the same place where an American last won a major singles title, can one of these stars find new glory? We'll break down the hopes of a nation when we come back. Back on TC Lock, big foe. Looking for those big slam tones. Getting ready to go. Day one of the Australian Open. Got the new Beats by Dre. Just posted that on the Instagram. Said, said thank you very much. My new headphones. TC Live every day, 5 p.m. Eastern, and encore coverage in the morning at 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on Tennis Channel. So speaking of Big Foe, it is time to take a look at some of the top U.S. stars and what they are going to do okay. down in Melbourne, first major of the year. We start with Taylor Fritz. He is the top-ranked American man in the world. Checked off a lot of boxes last year. He got top 10 for the first time, won a Masters 1000 for the first time, qualified for the Tour Finals, Lindsay. What should the goals be this year? Oh, he set some pretty high, and I know he was disappointed in the U.S. Open going out in the first round of that slam. I... I think he's got hopes, obviously, to win a major. I would think that his goal is semifinal mm. of, a, of a major this year and kind of check that box off. Um, for here, the hard courts, these are going to be his best majors to really win. Growing up in Southern California, we can discuss about that for gosh. Yeah, certainly. You're much more comfortable there. I think he's got pretty high hopes to go deep here in Melbourne. I think that loss you talked about uh, at the U.S. Open last year, I think was a good thing for him. Because, look, he was coming in with such high hopes. He wanted to win the U.S. Open. He had had such a fantastic year so far. Even at the U.S. Open, he was helicoptering in yeah. from his hotel to the U.S. Open. It's a, <laughs> it's a different type of life at that point. And all of a sudden, it's right. easy to get caught up in the expectations to almost kind of just bring you back down a little bit, just to hunker down and remember it's always about the work and just kind of focus on that. Almost puts him in a good spot to be able to continue on. Picked up some money in the offseason with some big exhibition wins. And he's just been winning. He has a lot of wins under his belt. I think he's coming in with a, with a really good shot here in Australia. Sidebar, for the record, we all hate traffic. You shouldn't helicopter to the U.S. Open. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think, you know, last two majors, um, a disappointment at Wimbledon, losing to Nadal, and also that was a match that we now know Nadal wasn't playing 100%. And then, yeah, just kind of a little bit of a fluky loss to, to qualifier to, to Brandon Hall, Tracy's son, at the U.S. Open. I think in a way, I think that's an interesting point. You know what it shows? Life goes on. You know what? You pick yourself up. You go win some matches. It's not the first match he wanted out of the box at the U.S. Open. He had very high hopes. They were squashed. But you know what? He still won, had a nice offseason, and we talked about Jesse Pagula. Talk about a steady build. Yeah. Taylor Fritz mm -hmm. has not had great, great success in a major until Indian Wells. He hadn't had great, great success even at Matt, but he just knows how to win matches. Yep. Semifinals, interesting. Do players really think in those terms? Yeah, definitely. 
I'm not here to win the title, but I'm. Well, I think you've got to cool. you've got to first improve on your previous best result, yeah, and so what's the next thing? Give my give myself that experience of playing six matches. Break down, six matches. Break down the bigger goal into smaller goals yes. that you hit along the way. Yeah. Right. He even said in that Netflix yeah. series, after he gets to top ten, he's like, the next is top five, then it's top three, right. then it's mm. top two, then yeah. it's one. Like right. it's yeah. a it's a progression each time until yeah. you get to the top. Uh, Taylor Fritz beat Francis Tiafoe second round here at the Australian Open last right. year. Big yeah. vote checked off some boxes as well. He enters as a top twenty guy yeah. per cost. She made the U.S. Open semifinals. Talking about getting to a semifinal at a major. Got an underwear deal. Uh, where has he improved the most over the last year? I think it's been mentally. In the last few matches, especially at the United Cup, he's you're not seeing those spats of 10, 15 minutes in matches where he just kind of spews off a bunch of errors. Now he's a little bit tighter mentally. He's using that entire athletic dynamic range that he has. He's hitting the second serve and coming in. He's serving volleying a little bit, using that slice, using the drop shot, bringing his opponent in. He's got an all-court game. He's one of the best athletes we have out there. When he's using all of that, he's making it really uncomfortable on his opponent. And on top of that, the offseason he had, I mean, he was, he was rolling around in some high society, a lot of celebs taking in a lot of events, and it looked good on him. And I think the fact that he's so, he's so comfortable with this uh, air that you have to breathe when you're a superstar, I think that bodes well for his tennis, too. It's interesting. At the U.S. Open, remember, he had a great match against Alcaraz. It came up a little bit short. Alcaraz pulls out of this event, and Francis now sneaks into that top 16 seed. So a bit of, uh, bit of tennis fates right there. I think a lot of this comes down to decision-making. What decisions is Francis making when it's four-all in a, in a tight set? That sometimes has gotten himself in trouble in the past. Last year, it was a lot better. Um, but no, I mean, this is another player. If Djokovic is here, I'd put Francis in that next pocket. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't hear the, the rumblings anymore is how much is he practicing? How mm -hmm. much is he working? You know that now he is all into the tennis. You can see it in the results. You can see it. You saw how devastated he was at the U.S. Open. I mean, he had the crowd. It was some of the, the most remarkable run we've seen. Everyone was cheering for him. He was crushed. Yeah. when he wasn't able to win. And sometimes that can fuel you. I do not want to feel like that again. What more can I do? You get the sense that, I, at least I do, that this is going to be a big year for him. Got a lot of stability. I mean, with Wayne yes. Ferreira, Jordi no. Arcanada, his girlfriend, Ian Broomfield, yeah. traveling with him as well. And, and with that, he's really made this rise. And as you said, Prakash, it looks good on him. Yeah. The super, <laughs> superstar fits him well. It's like, yeah. it's all tailored and yeah. all that good stuff. <laughs> uh, let's talk about some of the women. Danielle yeah. Collins made the final here last year, Lindsay. Only made one quarterfinal after that. She says she comes in feeling no pressure. This is her best major by far. Semifinals 2019 as well. What are your expectations for Danielle? You could say that, but there, it's definitely there, right? When you're defending a, a final of a major, and John talked about that, she had a she was an on and off year. She missed a lot of time last season with some injuries, almost playing a paired back schedule a bit. She's going to have to come out and play well, and we'll see if, if that these conditions are the same for her, if she's feeling as good as she did last year. I mean, what a spectacular run she had to the final. But I would think that at a player here who's right outside the top ten losing all these points, I think you feel it a little bit, right, and feel that pressure to kind of not fall out of the top 20 and to play as well as she did last year. Uh, we'll see how she handles it. That always cuts both ways, doesn't it? On the one hand, you say, look, she's had a lot of success in Australia, not least last year. You might also point out the player that beat her isn't in the game anymore, <laughs> Ash, Ash Barty. But I think you're right. I think what comes with that is there are a lot of points on the line yeah. for, for Danielle yeah. Collins. It's a, tennis is a funny sport. You, know, you can try to take the pressure off yourself as much as you can, but 
every little thing you do is going to have some sort of impact. I mean, look, right now you think, okay, you're in the top 15, you're okay, you're cruising for a little bit, but God forbid you drop some points, you drop out, you may not be seated. If you're not seated, you're playing an ego mm. in the first couple of rounds. Right. And if you drop out of there, then you're struggling to get into here. So it, there's always something on the line, and it's tough to get it completely out of your mind. But I think if she can settle into how she wants to manage her schedule and just kind of put her body in a good spot, that'll be the best chance for her because it's just not fun not being able to play where you want, right. pulling right. out, not knowing. You know, Nick, he knows. I'm not going to play here. I'm going to play <laughs> yeah. here. Right. Even that, there's a little bit of peace of mind. She only played 10 tournaments after the Australian Open yeah. last year, but she said, that's what works for me, yeah. that balance between life on tour and life off tour. Madison Keys, she made the semifinals last year in Australia. Listen, she went 5-0 and in the United Cup. She's 16-2 and over the last two years in Australia, Lindsay. What did she show you at the United Cup that makes you believe she can make a really deep run this year, maybe win it all. There was a couple of great things that in Madison's game in those five matches she played at the United Cup. One was the margin on her shots. She was definitely had better net clearance on her shots. The shot selection was also better. We've seen her a lot of times pull the trigger too early on the backhand. That seemed better. I also think the stability uh, for her as well. She's now been, had the same coach for 14 mm -hmm. months, put in a great offseason with her longtime trainer, Rocket. She's very fit, fit as she's ever been. She, her scores and the physical testing were off the charts mm -hmm. in Orlando in the offseason. She's ready to go. The question for her is the draw. Of all the players, having Azarenka in that third round, let's see if they both get there. I right. think Madison's feeling great. That's the one player she's never been able to beat, and it's right in her section of the draw. So that's a couple of rounds in. Other than that, I would say she's really primed to make a really good run. When she's hitting the ball well, there's there's absolutely no one on the unplayable. planet. Yeah. She's absolutely unplayable. But I think that fitness that you talked about, if that can help her win when she's not having those great days and take out those those really bad days, and it's just the gap from here to here, that'll be a huge difference. Two weeks is a very long time. And to be able to yeah. manage that play over the course of seven matches, mm -hmm. 14 days, I think you're going to have to play a couple of not great matches in yep. there. Yep. How, how can you survive in the tournament? How can you last, not go a three-set match that's going to take you out of it physically? I think if she can manage that, let the good days take care of itself. Mm -hmm. Remember, too, this is the player that she beat Iga Shvantek on a hard court within the last six months. I mean, the highest level for Madison is, is unplayable is the word I use. Um, I don't know how much to read into this, but her body language seems a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Seems happy, smiles, yep. seems cool. Um, not always the case. We've seen a tendency to get frustrated. I don't know how much we read into this. You know better than I do, but she seems like she's enjoying life out In there. In a great place. Really happy about her career. Just got to play it on the court, right? Yeah. Seven matches. <laughs> Two weeks, seven <laughs> matches, one big title. See if the Americans can get it done. Sophia Kennan, last American to win a major singles title. More still to come, our bet 365 match preview. As the odds on Rafa Nadal, we will break down all the big 2023 Australian Open storylines. And we go off the wall with my man, Prakash Worldwide. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to TC Live, the defending men's champion coming on site. How about Rafa Nadal? First round against Jack Draper. Rafa himself said it's probably one of the toughest first rounds possible for a seed. This is a guy who's only lost twice, 66 Grand Slams in a first round. Nadal getting ready to go later tonight. 
Well, a reminder, TC Live comes your way 5 p.m. Eastern every day to get you ready for first ball over on ESPN. And then at 7 a.m. Eastern, it is Tennis Channel's Encore coverage with Brett Haber and Paul Anacone. Back on the left side of our studio, Steve, Lindsay, and John, and we have a big warm welcome to our Hall of Fame family, Martina Navratilova, over on the big screen. Martina, it is so great to see you. Yeah. Obviously, before we get to the tennis, we all want to know, uh, how are you doing after that health announcement a couple weeks ago? Well, you know, the sun just came out, so the light's kind of funny. I, yeah, I'm ready to go, ready to get on with the, with the treatment. I've had two surgeries and four biopsies. Uh, and radiation chemo awaiting, but uh, I'm ready to go. I, and I'm ready to go in other ways as well once I get to play again. I'll, yeah, I got my squeezy thingy here. <laughs> I just found these uh, Wimbledon, uh, Wimbledon uh, resistance bands in my grocery bag. I don't know how they got there. And I have a water <laughs> bottle as usual. So I'm ready to go. So good to be with you guys. I wish I were there, but uh, yeah, I'll be there next time. Uh, you, you look awesome, Martin. And, and it looks like you've got some friends in the back. Yeah. Are there some of the pups in the back? Yes. Yeah, the usual, you know, uh, they always scratch at the door, so I have three dogs on the bed behind Sleeping me. Dogs <laughs> Just that's in case, that's why I have these headphones. That's only part of her animal. Kingdom. Yeah, yes, right? in her house, exactly. <laughs> I, I noticed Lulu back there as yeah. well, Marty. We can't have an, an Australian Open TC Live without Lulu being involved, so we'll have you bring her up a little later in the show as well. Uh, some big storylines to get to, including... Novak Djokovic, what a difference a year makes from him. He was deported from Australia last year. The nine-time champion returning more focused and confident than ever. If I do hold the grudges and, and probably uh, if I'm not able to move on, I wouldn't be here, you know. And, and also, I have to say that the amount of positive experiences I had in Australia overwhelmed the negative experience maybe last year. Martina, the last three times he's played the Australian Open, he's won the whole thing. Hasn't lost in the country in five years. 34 straight wins there. How big of a favorite is he to you? As massive as it gets, I'm as big a favorite as Rafa is at Roland Garros. To me, this is Novak at the Australian Open. He's about to win it for the 10th time. Uh, Novak against the field, three out of five. That's that's a tough out on hard courts, and uh, he's he's been embraced warmly by the Australian crowd, and uh, he's ready to go. Maybe the question mark would be his body, but uh, if he's healthy, it's odds on favorite big time. Yeah, the body, I think, is, is the one question. He canceled a practice session Sunday Australia time yeah. because of this hamstring. He's closer to age 40 than to 30. He's also Novak Djokovic, and we've seen him handle injuries before. How much concern do you have? Lindsay, over this, over this hamstring? You know, you always have to be oh, keep one eye on it, uh, on some of the players when their preparation isn't exactly perfect. You never like to see players, obviously, canceling practice sessions. He has been amazing over the years of being able to overcome things. You don't win as many majors as he has without having your physical woes during majors. What I love about Novak is how outspoken he has been about wanting to be the best. He wants to break all the records. This is why he's playing. He said that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he is very open about it. You have Rafa, who's always like, no, I'm happy with what I've done. And they're never really willing to put it out there. He has. And he wants to win these majors. It, the hamstring might not be perfect, but he is going to give it his all, you know, to try and win in Melbourne again. Hey, he looked good in that XO against yep. Nick Kyrgios. Won his 92nd career title yep. in Adelaide, so arrives with some confidence. By the way, wants to be the best in all things. That 92nd title tied him with Rafa Nadal. Fourth on the all-time list. Nadal, of course, still leads that Grand Slam all-time total. He's got one more. 
than Novak Djokovic right now. Here is what the defending champion had to say before the tournament. I have been losing more than than usual, so that's that's part of the of the business. So just accept the situation. Uh, I think I am humble enough to accept that situation and just uh, work with what I have today. Johnny lost his only two matches this year at the United Cup. Go back to last year, he lost six of his last seven matches. So what's your confidence level in Rafa Nadal right now? I think his confidence level is higher than he's letting on. I mean, he hasn't had a stretch like this in his career. He's actually, I heard, I heard he was asking his team, anticipating questions like this, he was asking his team, remind me again, what's the word for vulnerable? And he actually <laughs> used the word vulnerable in, in his press conference. Huh. But I also think he knows best of five is different from best of three, and he's gotten a bit healthier. I don't think he likes coming in with these results. I also don't think, he's lost six of his last seven matches, which is, is crazy. I don't think it's going to be seven out of eight. He has said his level has still been there in those matches, and if, if Rafa's not worried, I'm not worried. He's always yeah. pretty, pretty honest about that. He was honest, Martina, when he was responding to comments that Alexander Zverev made, who said he might retire after Roland Garros this year. Rafa was asked about retirement from some journalists as well. He, he seems kind of annoyed. He's like, why are these people asking me about retirement? I won two majors last year. I'm the defending champion in Australia. W what's going on here, Martina? I would be annoyed, too, if they were asking me, which they used to. But when you win a major within the last 12 months, you definitely think you can win it again. And until somebody beats Rafa in Roland Garros, he's not going to quit because he's always going to think he can win that one at least. So until somebody beats him, he's not retiring, un unless the body says no mas. <laughs> I think also with Federer just retiring um, last year, announcing that, obviously then the questions go towards these big three. Novak is nowhere near it. I think with Rafa and how many serious injuries he's had, he had the foot, of course. Yeah, there's been so many, the ab as well, that then the people start talking about it. But his commitment to wanting to be out there and to continuing to try and win majors and be a player, he signed up for tournaments throughout the year. We keep hearing about it. I, I don't really think it's on his mind. Yeah. Your periodic reminder, not that long ago, age 35 was the cutoff for, for seniors tennis. Can we just discuss the fact that a 35-year-old <laughs> is the overwhelming favorite and a, you know, Rafa at age yep. 36 is angry when people are asking him uh, when he might retire. Not pleased with, uh, usually Rafa sort of absolutely sidesteps anything tendentious, <laughs> controversial. He clearly was not pleased that Zverev made that remark. I think he was asked about it earlier as well at the United Cup, and he's just like, stop, stop yeah, with this yeah, retirement yeah. talk. I'm, I'm literally the top seed at yeah, the Australia. I mean, exactly. who else gets asked that but, but Rafa Nadal? And he also leads the list that we show you every single tournament that they're at. Nadal, all-time major title leaders. He's number one, 22 on the men's side. Novak Djokovic, if he wins, can tie. Is there any time these two are, are both in a draw, Lindsay, everything can switch. So you're saying it's likely we go into Paris at 22-22? If, if, if Novak's the favorite, then yeah. Yeah, yeah. would that be remarkable? <laughs> Can we just talk about how nuts this is? Yeah. I mean, you, you could not. Imagine 10 years ago scripting this and saying 22, 21, 20. I also feel for Roger Federer. Imagine saying to Roger Federer a few years ago, hey, good news, you're going to win 20 majors. Pete Sampras, you're going to have him by half a dozen. Bad news, you get the bronze medal. Yeah. I mean, remember, Pete thought he was doing pretty well when he got to 14. Didn't take long for three players to pass him. That's it's crazy. insane. Martina, who, who do you think ends this year leading that list on the men's side? Mm. Mm, chances are, it, it, the odds are with, with Novak Djokovic. Chances are he will one or two, maybe even three majors this year. Rafa's odds on favorite at, the, at Roland Garros, but the rest of them, for me, uh, Novak is the favorite in all the other three majors, so somebody's got to beat him, and 
and uh, make him pay the price. But uh, right now, odds on favorite in all those three. Well, uh, the young generation is coming, but yep. yeah. not yet. Exactly. Not yet. When they're both going to draw, they, they usually win that thing. We'll have that stat coming up later on TC Live. And when we come back, it is time to switch gears to the women. Iga versus the field. Our experts tell you if the world number one can win her first Australian Open title. Welcome back. A year ago, Ash Barty took the title in Melbourne, ending a drought of more than 40 years for Australian women in their home slam. She didn't drop a set all tournament and was the dominant and clear-cut number one. But little did we know that would be the last match she would play, retiring just two months later. Guess what, though? Barty had been number one every single week since September of 2019. Then on April 4th of last year, Iga Sviantek took that top spot has not let go. She won two majors last year. Here is what the top seed had to say heading into the Australian Open. I had, um, you know, pretty solid practices, so I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy that I have um, a long time to, you know, get um, the conditions and get a feeling of these courts. But um, I also enjoyed my time off, so, so yeah, it's a good combination. Now there she is practicing, Martina. She's got more than double the points of the world number two. Eight titles, 37-match win streak last year. We hadn't seen that this millennium. Uh, are you taking Ego or the field at the Australian Open, Martina? It's a tough one, uh, but overall, I think I have to go with Iga. This court may be a little too fast for her, but at the same time, she has a 12-4 and record at the Australian Open before she became number one. So I think she must like it in well enough and has to have so much confidence after having such a phenomenal year last year. She's healthy. She's had a good enough run-up. Uh, maybe that, that match she lost wouldn't give her much confidence, but overall, I think she should be brimming, brimming, brimming with confidence. And yeah, I think it's it's uh, Iga versus the field, but maybe not as much of a favorite as, as, as Novak is on the men's side, for sure. Wow, as much of a favorite as Novak. Uh, bold statement there from Martina. Listen, she mentioned the loss to Jesse Pagula. Only won four games. That, that was at the United Cup. Last year, yeah. when she played Eula Niemeyer, who she faces first round here, took her to three sets at the U.S. So that was a tough match. What do you think about the confidence level? Yeah, the match against Niemeyer at the U.S. Open was her turning point match. At that point at the U.S. Open, she had never really made a deep run. She wasn't sure with the conditions there. She didn't like the tennis balls the USTA was using. When she got through that match, everything changed for her. Much different when you play someone in the first round. Listen, she was rattled when she lost to Pagula. There's no question about it. But I think enough days have passed. She ended up pulling out of the next week in Adelaide. That gave her, that has given her team a lot of time to try and get her used to the conditions in Melbourne, to try and settle her down, and, and really to get her to believe that she can win here. I mean, she's very much a mental player, mm -hmm. and you've got to convince her she's never won there. Semis last year, does that give her enough hope she can go further? I bet you they've been doing a lot of work with her off the court these last nine or ten days. That's so good you say. I mean, usually with athletes, we, what do we say? We say fits in, funnel, Tokyo, tunnel vision. With her tunnel vision, not that positive. She right. comes in on that defeat to Jesse Begula, which reduced her to tears. I mean, this wasn't some, hey, it's a tune-up. She was in yep. tears on the court. She's never won this event. The court is probably faster than her liking. Big picture, if she takes sort of a macro view, you say, you are the number one player. You've won two of the last three majors. The last major you won was the previous one, hard courts. You weren't even at your best, and you won 
I think if she takes a big picture approach, things look great. If she gets too right. tunneled, there are a lot of sort of little twinges that, that might upset her. And this draw is not going to be an easy one. She's in that top half, yep. which has a lot of the big names. Certainly, though, from last year, she's got to believe that she can win another major title. The world number two is Al Jaber. She's on the cover of Vogue Arabia, John. She's a trailblazer for Tunisia and the entire Arab world. What has her impact been on our sport in general? I, I think the impact we will see and you, you talk about I mean, the Williams sisters are an obvious point of comparison. I mean, I think we talk all the time about sort of the unique pressures, but also sort of what she has triumphed over already. But I think the next 5, 10, 15 years, I mean, you know, Africa is the fastest growing continent yeah. in the world. I think we're going to see her impact manifest itself in, in years and decades to come. Yeah, it was fascinating. You know, we talk about that Netflix series that just came out and one of the episodes really was dedicated to her mm -hmm. and hearing her more about her story and her thought process. Uh, I thought it was fascinating to actually hear from her and see some pictures of her from behind the scenes. She puts a lot of pressure on herself. She wants a major more than anything. Absolutely heartbroken when she wasn't able to win Wimbledon, did a nice job at the U.S. Open getting all the way to that final. She now knows what it takes to play well at the majors. Some players never learn what that secret is, playing every other day and how to manage your energy during majors. She knows how to do that. This is what she wants. Can she win in these conditions? That's what we'll have to see. Her knee's been taped up in practice. I didn't like to see that. Um, but I hope she makes a big run because, gosh, she's so fun to watch also. She, she's a great personality off the court, too. Yeah. She's made the last two major finals, Martina. And she, Oz is so open about mm -hmm. her goal. She said, I want to be number one in the world. I want to win Grand Slam. So having been to those two major finals, like Lindsay said, has the experience. What makes you believe she can take one step further here in Melbourne? Yeah, I think it's it's between the ears because she did not play her best tennis in either final, and uh, and it's good news, bad news. She good, great news, she got to two major finals. Bad news, she lost both of them and did not play her best tennis. And this court may be a little too fast for her liking for the way she moves the ball around. The the court doesn't really have enough time to to use her hands uh, on this faster court. But still, nice problem, right? You got to two major finals. You're number two in the world. And uh, she needs to just do the work and believe that she can do it and, and take the good from getting to those finals rather than what happened and uh, losing him. Lost her, previous match, uh, lost her previous match to a teenager, Linda Nash, a Czech teenager. Can you believe it, Martina? But, no, I think you're right. I mean, there's one, one player has been to the final of the past two majors, and it's not Iga. It's, yeah. it's on Shabur. Um, I don't know about her draw. It's a little tricky. Sabalenka's down there in her quarter, but a, a big opportunity, and probably your, your second, maybe with Pagula, probably your second favorite after Iga. I'd rather be on the bottom half, yeah, though, than yeah, the top yeah. half, and she has that benefit. I hope the knee's okay. Yeah. That, yeah. That's the biggest question yeah. mark for me with Oz. Uh, then we've got Coco Goff, 18-year-old American, who just, she seems like a veteran. She actually talked about it. I, I feel like a veteran. And she enters, coming off her best year yet. She's a top eight seed and comes to Melbourne with a lot of confidence. Take a listen. I think I made a, a lot of improvements. It was a lot of hard work, a lot of long days. Um, but I feel like I've improved a lot. And, um, yeah, I really think that I had probably one of the best off-seasons I had in a while. Um, now, we don't know if the results will show right away for the work it has so far in the first week, but I hope it continues throughout the year. There's Coco and uh, her, her longtime doubles partner, Jessica Pagula, as well, arriving. She's got Katarina Siniakova in the first round. By the way, uh, fun fact, both of them, number one in the world in doubles last year. Coco Goff, Katarina Siniakova. 
Coco Golf has never made it past the fourth round here, Martina. What are your expectations for her starting tonight? Well, look, she, as she said, she's made improvements in her game in the offseason, and she was already improving, obviously, last year as she got into the top 10. I think she's uh, she, her serve is bigger, the second serve's bigger. She's cleaned up the forehand. It's still not 100%, but it's a much better shot now. And I think she can be a real force moving forward. She's so quick off the mark, and she's got a really nice volume of one player in the world in doubles for, for a reason. So I think if she puts all those moving pieces together, she's definitely... I cannot believe she's 18. Look, we've been talking to her like about her for a couple of years before she even joined the tour. So I, I'm in my head, she's like 21, right? Because she's been around for such a long time. But this is the biggest growth potential that that age between maybe 17 and 21. She's right in the thick of it, and she's not done yet. So I think she's made big improvements, and it may be good enough to win here. Yeah, I mean, you, you get some players and you get the sense nobody's going to outwork them. And I get that sense with Coco that she's going to do absolutely everything to hold trophies at the end of the week. And she's already got one, and this was in Auckland, her first tournament of the year. She's able to win 5-0, and already three career titles. Different challenge going into a major. She's got the game. I, I think it's only a matter of time, right, before she wins a major. I thought she was going to win one last year. She didn't. The only concern I have for her here is the draw. Quarterfinal slated to meet Sviantec if Sviantec gets there. Coco's never done that well never. against her. And that would be the one player, if I was on Team Goff, I would think, oh, I'd love to maybe avoid that player. Didn't work out like that in the draw. Who knows? You've got to play all the matches and stuff. But she's fit. She's improving things constantly. Maybe it's enough. Never, never take the set, I believe, no. from, from Iga. Um, no, we, we joke, ha, 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 she's 18. She just graduated from high school, and she's a veteran. She is a veteran. Yeah. I mean, that Wimbledon breakthrough, that was almost four years ago. That was pre-COVID. And she plays like a veteran. We saw her lifting that trophy in Auckland. And it wasn't a, a packed field necessarily. But, you know, there were rain. There were delays. There were inside, outside. The fact that she kept her composure and won that event, I think, says a lot more than just the set scores mm. that, that flitted across the Internet. I think she's ready to win majors as well. Draw is not helping her. But I think that the sort of a, a proper offseason, not just cleaning up the forehand, but just – resting, spending time with her friends. I think she's really well-positioned coming into this event. I think that title in Auckland was huge for her and, and only lost four games in the last two matches, Lindsay. Her mom says she still hasn't gotten that grown woman strength. Yeah. That may come at like 21, 22, something like that. Which area of her game has she improved most from the start of last year to this year? I thought the serve, the second serve in particular, because it was only a couple of seasons ago we were seeing some matches where the double faults were in the double digits, and, there was a, and you could see it in her face sometimes when she'd go back to serve. That went away in 2022. So what's left? The forehand. But I'm telling you, it's a lot easier to win a major with only one shot that maybe is bugging you a little bit or isn't perfect than when you're dealing with a couple of things. Yeah. And there was a couple seasons ago, it's like double faults and the forehand. The double faults gone. I know she's worked on the forehand. It looked better in Auckland. We'll see how it holds up under the most intense pressure. Yeah, I think that serve definitely is better. I mean, it used to be not just be double faults, but the second serve was a little fluff ball. Now, if she hits a double fault, it's a good double fault. It's a force for double. And, you know, she knows her forehand is a bit weaker. When when that doesn't work 100% during a match, you don't panic because you already expect for it not to be 100%. It's when your strength falls apart and the serve should be a strength and the backhand is a strength. When those two work, the forehand will be good enough. The backhand is so good. I don't know if you saw that video of her hitting with Francis Tiafo. No, I didn't. Yeah, so it was right. Francis's forehand <laughs> to Coco's backhand oh, wow. in an exo. Yeah. And Coco's like, bring it. My, right. my backhand to your forehand, I'll go all day. And Francis yeah. is like, no, no, no. 
he hit it into the net. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I believe it. <laughs> she, she, yeah. She's got it going on and comes in with a, a great mental state as well. There's Petra Kvitova. Made the finals here back in 2019. She said that was more important to her and a bigger accomplishment than even winning her two Wimbledon titles. Still one of the most underrated stories in all of sports. Looking forward to seeing her in action in Melbourne. More TC Live coming up. Who could be primed for an early upset? Find out later in the show. Back on TC Live. First ball so close. Reminder, Tennis Channel's Racket Bracket Contest is back. Pick all the match winners round by round in Melbourne for a chance to win great prizes. Enter now at tennis.com slash play or by scanning this QR code. Hurry, the deadline tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern. It's like minutes away. Uh, whose famous fingers yeah. are getting taped here, huh? Liberace. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. judging by the intensity uh, of the game. Yeah. I think there's only one. You see the bull right there. Interesting. I mean, that's got to be a, a, a great, a different type of job to have. To be, you're required to get Rafa's fingers in order. They've done that drill before. I was going to say, he's trainer. done that for years. It goes back like 20 years. Yeah. Do, do most players tape their own fingers? Is he the only one that gets them done? I've seen him tape his own too, though. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he, he adjusts them during matches and stuff, but he has a little more intense taping than, than most players. I mean, it's got to be the calluses or something, that's, but it's, uh, it's pretty intense. It's so out of character. All the grip changes, maybe not to get blisters? Because he changes his right. grip so much? or he, he, he also, I think, uses a really small... Uh, grip yeah. on his racket. Yeah, right, I think right. that might be even a one-fourth possibly. Oh, well. right. um, and he just he has a lot more work yep. on it. Right. All, all that stuff that I don't know anything about. I, yeah. I mean, the kids these days are just taping their fingers. They don't even have calluses. Right? I want to be like Rafa. Uh, Alright, let's take a look at our Bet365 match preview. And that features none other than Rafa Nadal taking on Jack Draper. Rafa, 69% favorite to win. Wow. Minus 275. That means you bet 275 bucks to win 100. Yeah, I would, uh, I, would, I would take that. Um, I, I think Rob, best of five, and Draper's coming on. I mean, Draper, a lot of credit. Beaten Tsitsipas, he's beaten, I mean, Felix, he's had some nice wins, but he's coming off a two-hour, 45-minute match about 36 hours ago. I think, uh, I think we're, does Rafa drop a set, Prakash? Uh, I, I think he could drop a set, but look, let's also not forget the fact that Jack Draper talks about Rafa as one of his one of his big heroes, mm -hmm. and when you're playing like a hero of yours on a big stadium like yep. this, that's that's tough. That's tough to overcome. Draper has had some big wins last year. Look, he took out Felix at the Open. He beat Steph in Canada, Taylor in London as well. But you know he's going to get those feels. And the problem is when you're doing this. Next thing you know, you're down a set yeah, and a break. Exactly. So, you know, he's going to have to adjust and get off to a really good start out there. I say he wins a set. Okay. I like Draper. Yeah. I like his game. I think Rafa not feeling perfect going in. And Draper is one of those players we're keeping an eye out for the next two to three years. But I say he wins a set. Rafa's been in the top ten for 904 straight weeks. When that streak started, Jack was... What? Three years old. Oh my goodness! These numbers are just These I can't, you know, process. It's a comedy hour, though. <laughs> it's, I mean, we're going to stand back for a while and think about this. But. All right, what's trending on social media? Shout out to our TC fam, Taylor yes. Townsend. Lindsay, she went back to back, so won good. two doubles titles in Adelaide with two Ooh, different partners. Literally back so to back. not only that, can we say we are pulling for her in her first round match at the Australian Open? Yes. She got a wild card yeah. into singles, won the USTA challenge, and she plays the French reciprocal wild card, Diane Perry. We're Come on, match. Taylor, keep yes. it going. Two doubles titles now. It's a couple singles wins we feel in Melbourne. This Absolutely. Is, this is obviously a perfect example of why, you know, Taylor just 
she doesn't get along with people. Yeah. You know? I mean, <laughs> just pick up different yeah. partners every week, has great chemistry, and so then pulls good. off wins. Look at her smile. She's too. unbelievable. It's amazing. That's what happens when you work at TC. You go off and you win titles. Listen, she's playing with Asia Muhammad. They're, they're the 12 seeds in doubles yep. as well. So now I had a career high in doubles, too. Yep. Really cool stuff. All right, this is this is what y'all have been waiting for. The tennis contortionist. What is going on here, Prakash? But, uh, <laughs> so you can't be uh, coming off a, a bulk and then uh, trying to do this, right? Can you imagine, John? <laughs> is this is this part of the the, the pre-workout routine as we <laughs> as we you know all supposed to get older? This is what they say: take care of your body. But this is Come on. this is probably going a little bit overboard, yeah. right? We we calling deep fake on this, or we think this is legit? No, I think it's I think legit. This, this yeah. is legitimate. We thought Novak was flexible. Oh, he, can't I, get the, he can't get the booty. Why, why is there a <laughs> <laughs> Did we see Jimmy try to do this last week? Why are they using Arius? Yeah. No, he did that? I did. Oh, I saw yeah. him trying to do that. Why are they using Lindsay's racket? <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Well, there's a strategy to it. It, it seems like. I, Telling you, take take that, Djokovic. Prakash will be back uh, trying that next segment. If you want to stick around, <laughs> look at that. I give up. What is he doing? Obviously, knows exactly what he. Look at the crowd. There is a legitimate <laughs> crowd for this. That's insane. Okay, I can't right. watch it again. Is it? What do you? You go to Stretch Labs? What's your? I go to Stretch Labs so someone else yeah. can stretch me because I am not what? capable of any of that. You gotta be. You gotta be able to be flexible. You gotta be Gumby to get that done. Nick Kyrgios and his girlfriend coming on in. Playing singles and doubles, defending that doubles title with Tanasi Kokonakis. We'll break down the big matches after this. Just five minutes away from first ball, year's first major. That music means. John Wertheim's stat of the day. Oh, this is like, uh, this is hurdle. Uh, so here we go. We're missing our number one ranked player, Carlos Alcaraz. And listen to this. This is the third time in last five majors the number one player hasn't been in attendance. And the reasons, they've run a gamut. From uh, COVID area deportation to uh, the, the Russian ban at Wimbledon to the more traditional injury. But for the third time in the last five majors, the number one player on the men's side not in the main draw, but you know what? They still crown a champion. We'll be okay. Normally it's an injury, and that's what this one is for Carlos Alcaraz, that right leg. He is out. Taking a look at the day one featured matches. Coco Golf in action. Maria Sakri, Rafa Nadal got himself a day session against Jack Draper, who was coming in from a tune-up event. Iga Sviantek taking on Ulet Niemeyer to start off the ninth session. Then Daniil Medvedev, seventh seed this year. Got to number one in the world last February after making the finals in Australia. Taking on Marco Skirone. Uh, one guy we haven't talked about a lot so far, Stefano Tsitsipas, taking on Quentin Alice. Last year, Steph had more wins than anyone on the ATP Tour. Alice had more challenger-level wins yep. than anyone at that level. What do you expect to see? Steph has been playing fantastic tennis. It was interesting. Last year, so many people stole the storylines, right? I mean, you got Alcaraz, you got Djokovic, and, of course, Nadal winning two slams. But as you said, 61 wins on the board. Steph had a great year. He was going for number one. Could be going for number one here. If he wins the title here, he's got number one on his mind. And he's also started off the year really great. He had some great wins at the United Cup, went undefeated there, took out Chorich, took out Berrettini. Some really impressive stuff. So I think he's coming in with a great shot. Australia is a great place for him. One of the places of his first big Grand Slam wins when he took out Federer there. And I like his draw. Ben de Zanchelp is a good, is a good seed for his section. And um, I think he can do some damage. 
Interesting that they have played twice before. None at the ATP Tour level. Alice won both of those matchups, so should come in with a little bit of confidence. Daniil Medvedev taking on Marco Skirone. They both lost to Rafa last year. One in the first round, yeah. one in the final. Uh, Medvedev has made two straight finals here, Lindsay. Is yep. this the year that he breaks through, wins it all? I don't know. That match last year, I, I think, really set him back a little bit after not winning... The, the final up two sets had love 40 to break or midway through the third. And that seemed to really have like a carryover effect. He then had to have surgery during right after Miami, missed some of the clay. It's been a tough go. But I mean, we were talking about a commercial break and Prakash was saying, oh, he's a seven seed seven. That really kind of hit us all pretty hard there because you're so accustomed to seeing him in the top four. I think this first week is, is going to be big for Medvedev to try and reestablish his hardcourt game, mm -hmm. to reestablish his locker room presence as well. I mean, he was feared as the best hardcourt player. Has that gone away a little bit? We'll have to see when the players go out to face him. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say Djokovic yeah. is now probably back. To one of the, yeah, 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 agreed. Okay, one of the the top two. Yeah, no, top absolutely, three. absolutely. This will be a good test for him for Coco Golf. A good first round test taking on Katarina Siniakova, number one in the world in doubles, but has proven herself on a singles court as well. John, what's most important for Coco in this match? I think just kind of hitting her spots and getting. I mean, she's she's the favorite to win. Nice doubles player in Siniakova, but not the singles player, not the athlete. Coco is not the the, the pressure with being a seed, not as competent as a singles player. I think that's a nice kind of easier way in match. They know each other from playing doubles multiple times, including the French Open final that the Czechs won. But uh, I, I think Coco ought to be. A, I thought she ought to be okay today. All right. We all ready to go? Day ready. one. Come on. Come on, guys. Day one. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go. We'll be here all 15 days of the Australian Open right here for TC Live. Back tomorrow at 5 Eastern. The encore coverage with Brett Haber, Paul Anacone at 7 a.m. Eastern. And your coverage of the Australian Open over on ESPN for Prakash, John, Lindsay, our entire team. I'm Steve Weissman. Thank you so much for joining us on TC Live Day 1. Lego.